Hey guys, this is Meg Scanlon of the Meg Scanlon Podcast. Today's podcast is going to be our first podcast that is about nutrition. Super excited to talk about it. I think that for many it is a very confusing subject, especially when you get started in your lifting, in your health, in your fitness journey, whatever it may be. We are lucky. I was lucky enough to have Vanessa Berman on the podcast to discuss nutrition. Vanessa is a registered dietitian. She's also a powerlifter, but she's a registered dietitian, and she works for Barbell Medicine as their nutrition coach. So pretty cool. Um, we talked about a lot of nutrition in general, basic things, how she coaches her athletes, um, and some suggestions she had for females, and some things that females may tend to struggle a little bit more with than their male counterparts. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. There are some great take-home tips for everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please feel free to send me an email, lift at megscanlift.com, with any follow-up questions you may have, any questions you have for future podcasts or things that you want to see on the podcast in the future. I'm super excited to have our next next guest, Vanessa Berman, on. She is a registered dietitian and works for Barbell Medicine. So the first time we're, ha- we're talking about nutrition on the podcast, which is super cool, I'm going to have Vanessa tell you guys a little bit about herself. Yeah, um, I've been a registered dietitian for about seven years, and I mainly have worked in clinical nutrition. Um, I've done work with eating disorder patients. I've worked with, um, you know, a lot of hospital populations, and I just recently made the switch to do full-time online nutrition counseling. And yeah, for the last seven months, I have been working with Barbell Medicine as one of their nutrition coaches, which is really awesome. Um, that's, that is awesome. How have you found so far, this is just kind of a little bit of a sidetrack, but how have you found like the online nutrition coaching to be going so far? As comparison, I'm sure the hospital and clinical was all in person, right? Yes, it was. Um, yeah. How so, do you, yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, yeah, you're asking how like the difference is. Yeah, the yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely pros and cons to both, you know, with everything. Um, in person, you know, you do get that face-to-face interaction and, you know, maybe it's a little bit easier to build rapport with people, but um, I do find that the online nutrition is, like, really great for people who have crazy schedules and don't mm-hmm. have time to like make appointments with people and don't want to have to go into an office to mm-hmm. meet with a dietitian or work on their nutrition. So, um, it seems to work out really well for people who like that flexibility mm-hmm. and I really like the flexibility of it too. So it's been really good so far. That's awesome. Yeah. I could see how for like athletes too that are into powerlifting, into lifting, it could maybe be like less intimidating if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I actually would agree with you on that. I think a lot of people would, you know, normally come in to see me or I would go into their, you know, hospital room and they might not want to be completely honest with me just, you know, for fear of judgment, which, you know, I never judge anybody for anything because right. we're all human and, you know, we all have other things going on in life, but yeah. I do think online that people are a little bit, you know, more willing to 
offer up that information that they normally wouldn't face to face. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. So Vanessa also lifts, right? So Vanessa powerless, which is cool. And it also makes obviously it very relatable for anyone that works with you. So how did you get into powerlifting and lifting? Um, I got into powerlifting, um, probably four years ago now, and, um, I was just frustrated in the gym and needed direction, and previously I was a bit of a cardio queen, admittedly. Uh, <laughs> so like everyone was, is. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. You figure things out and you make that shift. Um, but yeah, I just wasn't seeing the results that I wanted, and I had played, you know, soccer in high school and used to lift for, you know, fun, but never really followed any sort of program aside from, you know, the bodybuilding.com free, you yeah. know, workouts. <laughs> um, so I actually contacted a friend who's a personal trainer. And he was a competitive power lifter back in the day. So once I started working with him, most of our workouts were strength focused. And I started to see myself get really strong really fast. Um, novice gains, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and it was uh, pretty addicting to see that kind of change. So I just kind of kept going with it. Um and ever since then, I've focused, you know, less on my body weight and more on what my body can do. And so I kind of encourage my clients to do the same. So, yeah. Um, I totally agree with the last thing you just said. I think when I started lifting, I am, for whatever reason, I feel like that goes hand in hand for a lot of people. Just like learning how to love being strong and not necessarily caring about the scale, what the scale says so much you know what I mean yeah when yeah, I was oh, doing totally. cardio I was always like okay let's go down scale come on like I'm running so much what's happening exactly <laughs> yeah you get hyper focused on that number and you really aren't getting anything else from that like right. it's not re it's not rewarding at all right so, um, cool. what so four years I mean that's a decent amount of time to be lifting I'm um, strictly yeah. lifting what has kind of kept you in kept you in the lifting game why have you kind of continued lifting even after those newbie gains kind of wore off which is definitely the most exciting part <laughs> yeah I know right yeah, I miss those um, yeah. <laughs> um I think I've continued lifting because it's taught me you know that I'm stronger than I think and it's really helped with like the mental component of things for me so um yeah, it just kind of keeps me in check, and it's really empowering, and it's also a really great outlet. So yeah. I do I do like it for that aspect, for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, and this may tie right into what your, like, what your favorite thing is or what's the biggest thing that lifting has kind of taught you about yourself or, like, your favorite moment from lifting that's kind of left an impact on you. Um, yeah, so, you know, kind of touching back on the, the mental side of things, um, your, your mental, like, uh, you know, your mindset plays a big role on how a training session or a meet is going to go. Um, and I remember being a lifter at my very first meet and I was so nervous. I was freaking out. <laughs> um, but I actually ended up going nine for nine that's a good day 
Yeah, I'm so <laughs> stoked on it. Um, and I, I, let's see, what did I bench? Uh, 148 probably. I squatted 281 and I deadlifted 320. And oh, I was super proud, super proud of myself. Yeah. So that was probably my favorite moment. Um, and then just something else that, you know, has stayed with me for a long time and that I tell other people that are kind of new to powerlifting is that you're never going to be as strong as you want to be before you compete. <laughs> so oh, yeah. just sign up and do a meet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree with that. I'm still waiting yeah. for it for my nine for nine meet. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> Two years oh, later. You'll get it. <laughs> Someday. Um, <laughs> getting into nutrition a little bit. Nutrition, I know, is always – I don't want to say a hot topic, but kind of, just because there's so many, social media is a great thing because it connects so many people with such great knowledge, but there's also so much out there that is kind of like fatty or not fatty, like fad, (laughs) fad diets, um, or not the greatest knowledge. Um, there's a lot of, you know, um, false information. Yeah. And it's hard to weed through, especially if you're new to the whole thing. If you're new to lifting, if you're new to nutrition, it's a lot to kind of weed through. Um, so I definitely think it's a great topic to talk about. And, and we're going to hopefully give some good pointers today for people to kind of take home pointers. Um, so why did you end up choosing nutrition? Um, to Like to major in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I get this question a lot and I don't have any really exciting answers about it, uh, except for that I had the awesome influence of my mom growing up and she was actually a registered dietitian as well. And yeah, so yeah, at the time, um, you know, I wanted pizza and soda and (laughs) my mom was, uh, given us uh, broccoli and so I remember mm. being mad at her but, <laughs> um, all throughout high school I really liked science and I always knew that I would probably major in something science in college um, so as a nutrition major you have to take like biochem organic chem microbiome and those all just sounded awesome to me so it just the choice to become an RD just seemed natural (laughs) at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Like hearing, you know, I'm a sciencey person too, but hearing someone say that they were excited to take those classes, you know what I I mean? I know. Yeah. Other people are like dreading it. I'm like, no, yeah. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) um, you become an RD, obviously you mentioned kind of your, your past in what you were doing with clinical nutrition working with hospital population. Now you're working with athletes with online nutrition. So you're doing a lot of different things. Um, what would you say currently is kind of your coaching style for nutrition? Um, okay. I think that um, my coaching style kind of varies from person to person just because I'm really a big um, advocate and proponent or, you know, advocate for individualizing mm-hmm. nutrition for people. And every person has different needs, different learning styles, and, you know, they need a lot of different support and guidance. So I will never hand out a meal plan when people ask me for meal plans. (laughs) I really try to deter them and, you know, not have them go that route just because it's not 
you know, realistic or sustainable long term to just follow a very restrictive uh, plan. Um, so I mainly teach clients how to track macros, mm-hmm. and I found that that works well for a lot of people, mostly because it teaches people what's in their food, and um, you know it allows for things like flexibility when you go out to eat at dinner, if you go on vacation, uh, normal day to day schedule changes that happen that you you know would otherwise freak out if you couldn't hit you know your meals at that time on a meal plan but um it also kind of shows people that while you have to choose high quality foods and get enough fiber you can totally fit in some other foods um treats you know special occasion foods and still be able to stay on track yeah so yeah um I like people to be on the least restrictive diet possible, and I'm actually writing an article on that right now, and you might be able to check that out in the Barbell Medicine newsletter or on their blog pretty soon, so looking forward to that. I will definitely, too, when that does come out, I'll link it in the show notes in the bottom. Um, Just to go super basic for a second, can you just tell everyone what macros are? Yeah, so macronutrients um, are protein, carbohydrates, and fat, and they make up the bulk of a person's diet. And um, yeah, other questions on that? <laughs> no, I. Um, so when you're like tracking them, right? You, I'm gonna assume here, but obviously I'm asking you. You would give people like a grams to hit for each protein, carb, and fat. Correct. Right. Okay. And then do you have them use like an app to track it? I do. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's my fitness pal just because it's, you know, pretty well known and and used by a lot of people. There are a couple other ones. Um, There's like Fit Genie, but the majority of my clients and myself included use my fitness pal. There's so many preloaded foods in that thing. It's amazing. I know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's come come a long way. And you do have to be kind of careful when you are tracking with MyFitnessPal. It's something I've noticed over the years is there's a lot of user-entered information, mm-hmm. and oftentimes they will miss entering, you know, fat grams. They'll only enter carbohydrates, or they'll only enter calories, so you don't actually get an accurate um, tracking if you add that food. So just, you know, when you are tracking, be cautious of which uh, – items you're selecting and kind of compare it to a food label if you have one mm-hmm. um what would you say the most common error is you that you see athletes making and they, um, you know or like when they first come to you and you're looking at their diet what's like the most common thing that you see that you're like oh that's kind of like an easy fix okay yeah I think probably I mean it's it's common for non-athletes too, but I think the, the most common thing would be either kind of avoiding carbohydrates or not eating nearly enough carbohydrates um, or even just unnecessarily avoiding certain foods because they think it will help more with performance or mm-hmm. if they're trying to, you know, make weight and then weight loss. Um, but for example, things like dairy or gluten, uh, you don't really need to avoid those things if you're not actually, you know, intolerant to lactose or you don't have celiac disease so it's probably just you know a combination of not eating enough or not eating eating enough carbs 
or yeah, avoiding something unnecessarily. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think it's funny. So I actually can't eat gluten, like, <laughs> um, okay, yeah. but people, are, yeah, yeah. But people always ask me like, oh, so should I not eat gluten? I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. so like, go you, for it. Can, like if you can put together a PB and J, it's amazing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's like the best meal um that that makes sense and I think that too kind of ties in with how and again like going back to there's a lot of fad diets out there there's always Mm -hmm. something I feel like in those diets that they want you to avoid whether it's Mm -hmm. carbs or fats or whatever the new thing is it's like a low fat diet and then everything in your diet is is fake you know like not real food right um what so how do you structure nutrition around training to kind of help enhance performance and also recovery um so the main thing i usually recommend is to eat about 30 percent of your daily carbs in your peri-workout meals so that means in your pre-workout and in your post-workout um and also kind of limiting fat just a little bit around the meals and um eating somewhere between you know 45 and 90 minutes before a workout seems to work best for most people um but it is you know comes down to personal preference a little bit there too though um Um, is that like would that be like a meal like a meal meal or like a snack (laughs) you know it 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 depends um kind of on what someone's schedule is like I have a lot of clients who train in the mornings Mm -hmm. and can't seem to eat a full meal at 5 30 morning just because they're not ready for it yeah uh, so you know in a situation like that then you know you might want to have something um quick and easy like some some whey and some instant oats or something that you can even you know mix it together and just drink it um so yeah it kind of depends on a person's schedule and stuff too but if you're getting you know a snack before a meal and it's got a decent amount of you know carbs and you're probably going to be fine too <laughs> yeah um so anything in other words is better than nothing <laughs> yeah um, yeah, yeah. About, I don't yeah. yeah you don't need to tra- train fasted unless yeah. you know that's the only thing you could do that day to get your training in yeah but yeah I recommend eating if you can um so obviously in powerlifting specifically or weightlifting for that matter they're both weight class sports which mm-hmm. is another reason why nutrition is so important um yep because if you are going to compete in a specific weight class obviously you have to fall within the ranges so cutting and bulking are two relatively large things or things that you hear freq- frequently in powerlifting and in weightlifting um i would say the more common thing that you hear is people trying to cut weight um <laughs> Oh, I feel like there's like a trend of bulking going on. Um, yeah, but I'm sure yeah, <laughs> bulking is much easier to do <laughs> in terms I of know. gaining weight. <laughs> um, yeah. Whether you're doing it correct, I feel like it's probably harder to do correctly um, than cutting weight. You know, I don't know. Um, if I was bulking, I would probably just go crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's there's a little bit of a science to both of them, but you know, I mean, it probably is easier to eat more than it is right. to eat less. Right. But it depends on the, the person too. <laughs> um. So, what would your advice be for people that are coming up? Say their meat, you know, is three months out or whatever, and they're and they they need to cut down to their weight class kind of what I guess what's your advice on for athletes that 
are cutting or in a uh, Yeah. So um, in general, I think the slower, the better. Um, and if you don't have to cut, then don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but as far as competitions go, if you're not an elite athlete, I'd probably recommend to stay in your current weight class. And then after a few meets, determine if going up or down in a class would really be beneficial or not mm-hmm. um, in terms of making you more competitive. So, yeah, the slower the better. Um, if you're cutting because you can preserve more lean body mass that way. Um, and then if you're bulking, gaining slower while kind of monitoring things and not just going crazy and, you know, eating whatever and saying, oh, I'm bulking, I can, you know, right, whatever. Like me. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's just kind of, you know, monitoring like hip and waist measurements um, and just kind of increasing things slower uh, can kind of temper any like rapid fat gain and, you know, hopefully, you know, have you gain muscle and not just fat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally agree on the, on the cutting only if you kind of, if you're in that elite level, mm-hmm. kind of looking at it though, I, I just kind of thought of this. I feel like sometimes you have people who maybe aren't elite, they like powerlifting, but for one reason or another, whether it's a personal preference or for health reasons, want to lose weight. Right. Right. Um, so obviously I'm assuming that it's the same thing. It's going to be slow over a long period of time. Right. Yeah. It seems more, you know, maintainable when it is slower, Mm um, because you're kind of decreasing calories, you know, maybe by a hundred or 200 calories a day instead of like 500 or more calories a day. Yeah. So it seems easier for people to, you know, start that kind of uh adjustment and then also to keep weight off long term Mm -hmm. um yeah I mean that's such a huge difference I mean 100 calories is such a small amount but over a long period of time it's going to make a big difference right it does it adds up and then it kind of mentally it's not so stressful to you know be in a deficit if it's not as significant as like a you know 500 or more calories right right (laughs) When you do have people um, that are, say you have someone that's cutting um, and it is like a little bit more aggressive, do you prioritize any of the macronutrients over others? Yeah, probably, uh, or definitely protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of like the, the macro that most, all, all my clients know that they don't have a lot of wiggle room on. It's like, okay, you better get your protein <laughs> Or else, <laughs> especially when you're cutting, you know your protein's probably going to be a little bit higher. So, yeah, definitely protein, um, carbs and fat. It, it comes down to preference, and you know sometimes people do better on a low fat. Sometimes people prefer a little bit lower carb. Um, but you can definitely uh, successfully lose weight on either a low carb or a low fat diet, just depending on what you prefer. So protein is king. Protein wins. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have like do you have a general? Obviously, I know it's probably a range um, of grams of protein that you have your athletes eat. Yeah. So usually start around one gram per pound, somewhere around there. Um, sometimes a little bit higher if people are 
cutting, but as a rule of thumb, I usually start around one gram per kilogram, or sorry, per pound, and then uh, adjust from there. Yeah. Um, good old protein. Good old protein. <laughs> so, obviously, this podcast is geared towards women. If guys are listening, that is cool. We like you too, but geared towards women. So are there any, when you have female athletes, special considerations or anything that you kind of um, tailor a little bit more towards women? Uh, Nutrition-wise? Yeah. Um, You know, not nothing too uh, specific as far as nutrition goes. I mean, there are like some different calculations and starting points that we would do for a female as opposed to a male. Um, but for the most part, I mean, a lot of it is the same. Um, and just kind of, you know, not, this is like kind of a little bit of a sidetrack, but you know, as women, we have menstrual cycles and you know, things can seem like they're different for women, but Mm -hmm. really, um, I kind of encourage my female clients to not use their period or, you know, their hormones as too much of an excuse Mm -hmm. or not let it distract them. Mm Because I know for myself, too, it's been, you know, challenging while you're on maybe your period and you're trying to train and you're like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm hormonal. I'm going to have a bad workout. Yeah. And. It's like, if you think that way, you know, your expectations play a big role. So don't just assume that you're going to have a bad workout or that your hormones are going to make your nutrition, you know, go out of control. So yeah, other than that, there's nothing too, you know, different that I do. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I definitely, it's like the more excuses you have, the harder it is to kind of keep moving forward too, you know? Right. Um, But in in general, I mean, do I feel like everyone always freaks out, like, when they gain two pounds, when they are getting their period, you know what I mean? Like, oh, my uh-huh. God. It's like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Is there any other advice that you would kind of like to leave people with that um, – or women with that maybe they, like, struggle more in general if it's not necessarily n- nutrition-specific, but just when they are trying to work on their nutrition that you find they struggle with more than guys, per se? Yeah. Um... My, my advice would probably be to have something aside from your weight to mm-hmm. focus on. Um, it makes things just way more enjoyable and way more rewarding because if you base your happiness on if the scale dropped every day, then you're setting yourself up to feel negatively if it doesn't change. Um, and, you know, there's days where it won't change. There's days where your weight will be up, but you can't stress over the day-to-day fluctuations just because so many things can influence your weight um and yeah so don't don't assume that you're doing things wrong kind of just be patient and trust the process and trust what you're doing and give it enough time to work before you make a bunch of changes yeah consistency Yes, absolutely. Always key. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I definitely think there's some great and simple, too, that everyone will understand. Takeaway tips, which is super cool. Um, But I would like you to let people know where to find you. 
Okay, yeah. Um, uh, you can probably best reach me at Vanessa at barbellmedicine.com or my Instagram, Vanessa underscore barbellmedicine. Those are my top two ways to get in contact probably. So, yeah. Cool. And I'll put, the, I'll put that in the show notes below too. Um, make it easy. (laughs) Um, well, thank you so much again for coming on today. It was great to have you. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast, picked up a few tips along the way, and also just, you know, got some reassurance for things that you may or may be doing or may be thinking about doing in the future. As a reminder, as Vanessa said, you can find her on Instagram at Vanessa underscore Barbell Medicine. She does, she is the nutrition coach for Barbell Medicine, so you can also check out their website, barbellmedicine.com, and I will link both of those two things below in the show notes for you guys. When the article she mentioned comes out, I will also put that below in the show notes so you can check out that article. As always, thank you for listening. Please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at MegScanLift, on my website, www.megscanlift.com. There are, there, I have a blog there with some information. Um, I also have coaching, my own personal coaching options if you are looking for that. And you can also find my email, a way to contact me there, which is lift at megscanlift.com. Feel free to reach out with any questions you may have regarding this podcast, any of the podcasts we've done, or things you'd like to see in the future. Always looking to hear back from you guys. Um, Until next time, work hard.